everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. We have two more episodes in this series of How Did We Get Here? And today we're going to tackle the topic of God being a concept rather than an actual reality in our lives. I hope you guys have enjoyed this series as much as I have. It's been really fun for me to just dig into some of these thoughts that I've had and really just kind of process them and then share them with you guys. So today we're going to talk about this idea. What is it for God to be a concept rather than an actual reality? Well, so often as I read books or listen to people talk or look at articles, as people just kind of discuss their Christian faith or their lack of Christian faith, God does not seem to be actually a real being. He's more of this concept in their mind. And I think that we do this more than we realize, where God is not so much a reality, a real living person, as he is this idea. He's kind of this religious idea. He's a belief that we have, but we know a lot about him. And we have these things that we believe about him. But as far as God being real, real and getting to decide who he is for himself, that's a whole other situation. I want to talk about this today. It's kind of a little bit confusing, but I think we can do it. What does it look like when God is just this concept in our lives? Guys, I've said this before, but either God is real, real, like he really exists and he really is who he says he is and he, he's real, real, or he's not. And if he's not, then... None of this really matters. All the things that we believe about him or think about him or say about him, if he's not really real, then they don't really matter. If God is just something that you're inventing or that you're kind of describing and you just get to decide who your God is, then it doesn't really matter. God's kind of like this big imaginary friend. So who cares if your God looks different than my God because he's not really real? It's just this thing that we believe in. It's just this concept that we have. Kind of reminds me of my daughter. When she was three and four, she had this imaginary friend named Ellen. And she was pretty convinced in the beginning that Ellen lived in our basement. And she was really scared to go down there because Ellen was scary. And Ellen liked to dress up in an elephant suit and scare her. And this was a little disturbing to me as a parent. I'm like, what exactly is going on? Why Why is my daughter creating this ridiculous character who um, is terrifying to her? And she told me that Ellen was super naughty. And that she went to this naughty school where she learned to be naughty. And I was like, oh, fantastic. And any time my daughter did anything wrong, it was Ellen's fault. Ellen had actually done it. She's like her alter ego. And then one day, Ellen stopped being naughty. Ellen was now nice. She said she sent her to a different school, and Ellen was learning how to be nice. And from that point in time on, my daughter processed life through Ellen. So, like, if somebody had a really nice trampoline in their backyard while Ellen had a huge trampoline in her backyard like you should see Ellen's trampoline it was so big or we went to look at Christmas lights and she was like look you should see the Christmas lights in Ellen's yard Ellen's Christmas lights are amazing Ellen came with us everywhere and she just kind of helped my daughter process life okay that's her imaginary friend I had imaginary friends when I was little probably you guys had imaginary friends too But if God is only our imaginary friend, this idea or this being that we've kind of created, this concept that we've created in our minds, then it doesn't doesn't really matter. I mean, my daughter's imaginary friend, Ellen, was, was harmless. It doesn't matter what she believes about Ellen because Ellen's not really true. 
Ellen's not really real. Ellen's real to her, and that's it. We live in this world right now, this postmodern culture that we live in, where relativism is just really what it's all about. And if it's real to you, fantastic. But it doesn't have to be real to me. Relativism. I can't say the word. <laughs> and uh, everything's kind of just, it's relative. It's, it's all relative. Because whatever is your truth is great and whatever my truth is great. But there's no such thing as this objective truth in our culture. It's really hard for people to just settle down and say, no, this is an absolute truth because they don't like to believe that. It's all based on our experiences and our feelings and what feels right for you and what feels right for me. And it's just very relative depending on what we, what we our experiences are, what we believe about things. And that's fine if God is fake. Like if God isn't really real, if he's just this idea that we've created, then who cares? Who cares if your God is different than my God? But if God is real, if he's real, real, a true being, a true spirit, a living person, for lack of a better word, then he is who he is, whether we believe it or not. We don't get to change him with our beliefs. We don't get to create him with our beliefs or lack of beliefs. He is who he is. And I really think this is what's missing in much of our Christianity today, because we argue intellectually about who God is, and we maybe disagree with different passages of scripture or different interpretations of scriptures. And it's almost like this idea that we can decide who God is. And I see this quite a bit in the progressive circles where people are just not happy with the God that they maybe grew up with or whatever. So they kind of just decide he's somebody different. And you know that I don't agree with this angry um, God who's up there trying to get you and who follows formulas and all this stuff that some of us have been taught about, I, I don't. But I also don't think that I get to decide who God is because he is who he is, whether I believe it or not. I, I get to discover him. And so I want to just kind of talk through some of these points today about what it means if God is real, real, and what that means for us and for our faith and for our spiritual lives. If God is real, real, then like I said, we don't get to decide who he is. We get to discover who he is. Because whether I like it or not, he is who he is. And I can't change him by just deciding not to believe in that. Because he is who he is. And so I get to discover who is this God. And I'm going to discover him through a variety of ways. I'm going to discover him through the Bible. I'm going to discover him through nature. I'm going to discover him through other Christian authors who've written over the last 2,000 years about who God is. There's lots of ways to discover God. The Spirit reveals himself to me, but I don't get to decide who he is. I only get to discover him. And maybe some of the things I used to think about him will change as I get to discover him more and more. If God is real, real, there's going to be a, a level of fear there, of healthy fear. Not like terror, like, oh my gosh, he's going to get me, like I used to think back in the day, but a healthy fear of like, I... I can't just make you up. Like, I've got to do this right. You are who you are, and you're big, and you're powerful, and you're crazy. And I don't want to just make this up in my own way and be wrong and tell people about you being wrong. Like, I want to know who you really are, and I want to portray that to people in this. I have a fear of him. Like, that's one of my big things with just 
sticking to Orthodox Christianity and just really trying to pick apart the things that I believe about God and the things that we've been taught within our Christianese religion. Because I have this healthy fear of God. I believe that he is real and that he is big and that he is holy and just and powerful and loving and amazing. And I do not want to screw him up. I do not want to tell you about things about him that aren't true. I have a very healthy fear of God and I like that. We should have this healthy fear of God because if he's real, real, then he is way bigger than we are and way more powerful than we are. And we need to respect him and honor him for who he is. And yeah, there is going to be a little of like, ooh, yeah, no, I don't want to mess that one up. We were not made, I say this a lot, God was not made in our image. We were made in his. And yet so often we try to create him as something that we understand and know. We put him back in our image. And I've actually heard authors saying this quite a bit recently. Where they say, like, we try to make God in our image. And we do. We do that all the time. We're like, I understand people. And so God must be like us, just a little bit different. But the truth of the matter is that he's nothing like us. Nothing. We just happen to be a little bit like him. And when we have that understanding of God as this reality, as this real being, that he is nothing like us, we just are a little bit like him, that gives us a sense of awe and of just respect and and fear, which is healthy. It's good. We don't get to choose. I mean, we can choose because we've given a free will. But this idea of like, well, I can just reject this stuff about God that I don't like, and I'm just going to make him like super nice and kind and never, you know, wanting to stop me from doing anything that I want to do and all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't get to decide and, and choose to reject things that I don't like about God. I get to study. I get to learn. I get to dig in and find out who is he? Who is he? And guys, the more I get to know about God, the more I'm just blown away by him because he is not like we expect. He's far bigger and far greater and far more powerful and far more holy and far more above us than we will ever comprehend until someday we're face to face with him. And then we will just be shocked and we will fall on our face and we'll be like, oh my goodness. Never could I have imagined. And yet at the same time, he is not what we expect. We're so used to our broken humanity. And so often we portray that onto him. God has all power and all holiness. He's just. He has wrath, which that's a word we don't like. It's like hot anger. But it's not in the way that we understand it as humans because we see through such broken lenses. The Bible talks about God's wrath, his anger, a lot. And so often when we hear those words, we think of somebody who's like this uncontrollably angry human. And we just see it like this vengeful anger and it's like scary and we don't like it and it hurts people. And we think of wrath and we think of that. That's not God's wrath because God isn't sinful. He's not broken like a person. And his wrath is going to be stronger than we imagine. He, he hates things like sin. He hates them. And you caught a glimpse of this with Jesus in the temple when he overturned the tables of the money changers and the people who were abusing, spiritually abusing the people who were coming to seek God and physically abusing them and stealing their money and, and just taking advantage of them. But his, his wrath is different. Like he hates sin so much, but he hates it because of how it breaks us, how it breaks our relationship with him. 
He hates it because of the way it hurts us and it hurts others and it destroys this beautiful universe that he's made and the people that he's made. Like sin is just destructive. And if we could only see it the way he sees it, we would hate it too. God has all power and yet he does not use his power like humans use power. You think about the way people in power just want to make everybody else do what they want. And they're just heavy-handed and tapped down and I'll manipulate you and force you and you will do what I want because I have the power and I can make you. But that's broken power. That's not God's power. When you see Jesus coming to earth, he laid aside his power. He chose to subject himself, himself to most of the laws of this world. The laws of gravity. I mean, he did walk on water and he did heal people a lot and he made food out of nothing. So yes, he didn't always subject himself to the laws of this world, but he laid aside so much of his power. And even if you see God through the Old Testament and the stories of how he pursues people, he never forces. He's gentle. He's kind. He's patient. He's willing to wait. He's willing to be rejected. He never forces anything. He doesn't use his power to abuse or force or coerce or anything like that. He has all the power and he can do whatever he wants, and yet he chooses to lay it aside all the time. God is such a paradox. I love that about him. I love that he has these qualities, and yet he chooses to not use them. Like, how can he be so full of wrath and hatred towards sin, and yet so full of love for those of us who are sinners? It doesn't make any sense. How can he be so full of justice, and yet full of mercy and grace? He's crazy. And beautiful and wild and good. And we lose so much when we turn him into just this concept or this idea. Because he made us to know him. He created Adam and Eve to be in a relationship with him. He came as Jesus to live among us for 33 and a half years so we could know him. And he's coming back one day to take us to be with him in paradise forever. It's about a relationship. It's always been about a relationship. He is a real and living being who is knowable. Even while he is so different from us, he allows us to know him. He wants to know us. And that's the whole point of the gospel. And I cannot emphasize this enough. Like God's saving of us was to draw us back into that relationship, not to make us good people, not so that we would follow his rules be his little subjects, but so that we would know him, that we would allow him to know us, that we would be healed and restored into that relationship. Guys, I just want to challenge you today. Like, look at your own heart. How have you turned God into a concept or an idea rather than allowing him to be the real and living being that he is? We're going to talk next week about fear because I think this is really at the core of so much of our troubles with our understanding of who God is, with the mess that our church is in currently, with even just the way the conservative Christians clamp down on certain Christianese traditions and beliefs, I think it really just comes down to fear. But perfect love casts out fear. So we'll talk about that next week. And that'll be the last of the series on how did we get here. So until then, thanks for listening. And as always, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. 
For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.